Hey, everybody. Welcome to Monday Night Therapy. And tonight I'm joined. Todd is out sick because he's a pansy. And Andy, I have a plane to catch. Ketterson is with me. And we are joined by Ramsey Nazarella of executive editor of 11 Warriors, which is a very large Ohio State Buckeye site. And we're going to talk about the Ohio State Buckeyes because we wanted to know what the hell is going on over there, Ramsey. I think they're coping as hard as any football program has ever coped. <laughs> and uh, they're doing well, it in, you... I think, a pretty productive, healthy, and audacious way. I, I can't say that. Okay. I, I We're going to start this out with this. Is Michigan, Michigan, are they the saddest national title winners in the history of national title winners? God, I hope so. <laughs> you know, it, uh, it, it, it's pretty inspiring what, what they've done. Um, it, they, it reminds me of the big, I think I saw this meme somewhere on, on Twitter, the beginning of the dark Knight rises when, uh, Bane's like, they expect one of us to be in the wreckage <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. they're just leaving Sharon Moore in the plane and everyone else is piecing out to go to Los Angeles or anywhere else, but in Arbor, you know, I don't hate it. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I, it's not how you want to spend the month after your national title. No. Just so everybody knows, the hate is strong in this one. Oh, good. But but we are going to go to Ohio State. And I'm going to – okay, Ohio State's been beat – I didn't look this up. This is off the top of my head, so it might be completely wrong. You've lost three straight to Michigan. That's right. You've lost three straight Big Ten titles. No, they've lost three straight uh, now defunct RIP Eastern Division titles. They were playing oh, okay. games for the Big Ten title game, which is how it should be. That's how it was before Nebraska joined. It was Ohio State, Michigan, the end of the season, and now there's just an extra game in Indy where you get to beat a Big West team. But that's now gone. There's no more divisions. But yes, three straight. Okay, a lot of I've seen a lot of Ohio State fans that feel like Ryan Day should be fired, and all of us. I mean, that Ohio State is going to be good no matter who the coach is, and I, you know. We're Nebraska, for God's sakes. At some one point, I'm sure that a lot of people felt that way. We felt that way. I don't think I ever did. I always thought, you know, you can't take a legendary coach like Tom Osborne and replace him with another guy and just say, well, he was a legendary coach. Like they pop up, you know, all over. These used to go to the grocery store and buy legendary coaches off the shelf, like they're, they're purple coaches or something, you know? But you did I, though. What you, do you, you did it. You you got Frank Solich. You let him cook, of, and then twenty years later, Nebraska was still awesome. Oh wait, what, yeah. what happened with that? Yeah, we're not we supposed gave, to be shooting back the, yet. Uh, we we're not Frank even five minutes in. Cadillac, and he wrapped it around a fucking tree. <laughs> <laughs> so, how do you feel about that? The whole Ryan Day should be fired thing. Uh, I I get it. I don't I don't agree with it. I um. I came to the conclusion this year, this this particular third loss, that he put a premium on being right instead of trying to get it right. He wanted to solve it his own way. He wanted to go about cracking the code in, in, in Brian Day fashion when he's making a lot of the same mistakes that – I'm looking at three crusty guys on my screen right now. I, I've seen Ohio State lose three straight to Michigan before. I've seen them do it more than once because I've lived long enough to to see it. And he's repeating mistakes like 
the, the 2022 loss, the second of the three, was like a 1996 special where they just they played scared. It, there's the reason that people want him fired, wanted him fired. I think that's changed over the last month or so. Is that he's no one's going to diminish how powerful the recruiting has been at Ohio State, even before they figured out the NIL uh, strategy very recently. Um, loading up on five stars, even even you know mediocre four stars like like Marvin Harrison Jr. And then take them off the field on like fourth and one on the Michigan side of the field to bring in the worst special teams in the history of the program. Like repeat over and over and over again. It's it's not that he needs to be fired. He needed to remove one of his four jobs from his burden on game day. He could be the head coach, lead recruiter, offensive coordinator, and quarterback teacher when you're playing Western Kentucky. Um, when you're playing, you know, most Big West programs, not not Nebraska, obviously, but against Michigan, there was so much in-game like self-inflicted chicanery. It was unbelievable some of the decisions that were make were, that were made, and and some that like frankly, even in real, it's easy to watch on television. You know, Amika Abuka falls forward for a first down. The refs take a yard off the spot, not because they're crooked or there's a conspiracy. Refs sometimes spot the ball wrong. If you're not holding down four jobs, maybe you challenge it and you get a first down. Right. And they bring in Jesse Murko for one of his two 30-yard punts in that in that game on the wrong side of the field. And so what you've seen in, over the last month, the people that are like, you got to get him out of there, have seen he's, he's making the corrections that people have been screaming for <laughs> since this okay. started happening in 2021. He's, he brought in Bill O'Brien for – Three glorious weeks to, to call the plays. And that one, okay, that Bill, one. What did you think of that? I think I, I knew I why he was to... there. It's an image rehabilitation tour for for Bill O'Brien. He, an accomplished coach. He's, he's burned some bridge work along the way. Was probably coming to Columbus for you know a two year stint, three year stint before he got a a Boston College like offer. I think he got that offer specifically because Ohio State hired him to be offensive coordinator. Otherwise, he's really? probably figuring out what, what to do in the meantime. Um, but he wasn't coming in to bring in like a Bill O'Brien offense. It's Ryan Day's offense is fine. It's the in-game coaching. It's the quarterback okay. tutelage beyond the starter. I think Kyle McCord is more of a glitch than a, than a trend. Um, and so now you've got Ryan Day bringing in his college coach, mentor, and first boss, which is all the same guy, sixty-year-old Chip Kelly, to run an offense that's not going to be. I, I wonder if this is the question I can't answer for you. Ryan Day likes deep crossing routes, inside zone, outside zone. He's his offense is pretty well studied, and with the right guys, it's really hard to stop. Especially if you have a, a focused play caller who's not distracted. Um, Chip Kelly is about an innovative r- rushing attack. He runs the ball over half the time. When you look at Oregon or the Eagles. I don't even know about the 49er season. He was there. <laughs> it was a disaster. But UCLA, pretty innovative running team. Um, that's going to really benefit. If they can find a way to happily marry the two philosophies, it's going to be the kind of uh, offense that Ohio State fans have always thought was possible with with Ryan Day because of 2019 when you had J.K. Dobbins, you had Garrett, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, like everything was loaded to 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 be excellent and they've still been they've been trying to catch up to that 2019 team 
ever since it's been a lot more pass happy than run, run happy. And I think it's in part because things have gotten more complicated for day. He really uncomplicated his job over the last 35 days. Yeah, I think, I, I guess when I saw him hire Bill O'Brien, I thought, what the hell is that? That is not, that is just, a, it's like a placeholder. It's like, hey, or here's this guy that's pretty, I don't know, like a vanilla shake without the vanilla, you know? When Nebraska was searching for coaches, he was, a lot of people kept throwing his name out there. Hey. And that was honestly the name that was like, I had like two names where I'm like, do not get either of these. And that was, uh, what's his name at Iowa State? Matt Campbell. And the other yeah. was Bill O'Brien, just because I'm like, I, I did. Vanilla, uh, it's the exact word I was going to use. He just seemed so bland and vanilla, his offenses do. And I think Chip Kelly was an inspired piece of hiring by you guys. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, that, that is. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, I just, I would have liked to see what Chip Kelly could have done, especially with some of the receivers that have been there the past few years that have, you know, all just landed one after the other on NFL rosters. And I, I think he could have found, uh, a more creative use for them, to be honest. Oh, and one other quick line. When you're talking about Ryan Day there, though, because what it – like he was – they were still undefeated going into the Michigan game, right? And, yeah, uh, and two years in a row. Yeah. They've, it, they've only lost to Michigan during the regular season. Right, and it just it reminded me of, you know, our, our we had a really funny ex-coach called Tom Osborne that was just always had people rolling, you know, not at all. But I, one of his funny lines was – a time where he said the toughest thing about being the coach in Nebraska is convincing the fans that 10 and one's not a losing season. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of where I see Ryan day on the hot seat. I, I can't, I can't remember like his overall record, but it's like 50 something and under 10. Three. <laughs> three. Yeah. Huh? I think it's three lost losses. Games, yes. <laughs> He's lost eight. Yeah. 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 Since, uh, that son of a bitch should be. Years, yeah. And, what yeah, the and hell? Just, and it, I don't see them trending down. I just see them. It's like just a little, a little tinker here, or there, and they're they're right back. It's it's not like suddenly, oh, there's no talent anymore or anything like like Michigan's the one. I think you know probably cl closer to us in recruiting than you guys this year. And I yeah, I, let's just let's just say that I that I both impressed and a little disappointed just for the rest of us trying to keep pace that you, that you hired Chip Kelly because if there's one thing he does know how to do, it's run an offense. A whole team. I, what, <laughs> why did Chip Kelly give up a head coaching job to come to your poverty program? I think he hates <laughs> recruiting. It's, uh, you know, you, 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 you start, you choose your profession out of college. You chose coaching. Right. Kind of toiled around where he's from, Manchester, New Hampshire, kind of stays in state. Builds up a brand uh, running New Hampshire and gets hired to run Oregon's offense, right? In whatever, in the 2000s. Um, ascends to the head coaching job, does it really well, moves on to the NFL, comes back to college. He's at UCLA. He's tinkering around as a true football nerd, uh, reinventing their offense. He had a one quarterback he really liked. He's now, he's now with the Browns over the, the tenure he was there. I think he just wants to call plays and be a geek. And I think that's where, you know, where can I be comfortable? He's known Ryan Day since he recruited him. And that that should work out pretty well. I think that Day really missed having um, a trusted advisor, a consigliere, and a, a bit of a mentor 
at Ohio State with Kevin Wilson leaving last year to go to Tulsa. But but that all being said, I don't think Kevin Wilson was ever really his mentor. He was brought in by Urban Meyer after 2016 to be a trusted advisor on, like, what can we do to keep the offense from being stale? How can I get sanity checked on some of the decisions I make? Because I say a lot of things about Urban Meyer. He figured out in the middle of his Ohio State tenure he he wasn't uh, he wasn't perfect with with decision making and he needed someone to to speak at him when he might have been going off you know, going off the reservation he didn't trust a lot of the guys he had he trusted Greg Schiano he trust he trusted uh, Kevin Wilson and when urban retired you know that transition's really tough and they kept right. a lot of those guys in in house Schiano now runs Rutgers uh Kevin Wilson now runs Tulsa this year there was no one really challenging him. He had Brian Hartline as kind of a, you know, offensive coordinator and title, but that, that those, I can't imagine those disagreements were very long discussions. <laughs> so bringing in a guy who really, you know, coached him and then, you know, co- and then supervised him, I think will be really, really helpful for the team next year. I do want to mention, you know, when Nebraska joined the conference, it was 2011, um, Bill O'Brien took over after Joe Paterno was fired. Yes. And that was he an impossible situation. There. That was yeah. the most radioactive football program outside of SMU that I've seen in my lifetime. And they went eight and four with a decimated roster. I mean, like, I think Tim Beckman from Illinois was at Penn State recruiting players from the Penn State practice facility while that was all right. going down. Like, <laughs> it was a complete disaster. I didn't know who Bill O'Brien was, but they went. They had two. They had two very serviceable seasons. They played er, Penn State football while he was there, and he parlayed that into another another role, which I think was the perfect thing. You don't want to be the guy that follows a legend. You want to be the guy that follows the guy that follows the legend, and that's that's what he did. Um, and I think he was just there to improve his network, get a little bit better, um, and then go on to whatever's next. He did coach a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback at Alabama. And I know he doesn't get a lot of credit for it, but like he was the he was there for multiple years. You're shattering our milk toast Bill O'Brien attitude here. (laughs) The 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 best coaches allow the you know the great players to be the best versions of themselves and then give them like appropriate guardrails, which I think Day's really good at doing when he only has one or two jobs. When he has four jobs, it doesn't go quite as well. So basically what you're saying in a nutshell is Nobody said to Ryan Day after the Notre Dame game, don't take on a really old retired guy about being soft. Nobody said, don't bring up Lou Holtz. Just don't. Don't shut up. Don't even care about him. That uh, This that year, somebody will be it? there. Yeah, it was. I, I don't know. I In some ways, I thought it was, you know, I can understand where he's coming from. And at the same time, you're kind of like, I don't know why. Who gives a shit what Lou Holtz think? The guy, the guy left every program he was at, and NCAA violations, and uh, you know, I, I guess when you're a winner, everybody overlooks those things. But I, I don't. I like Ryan Day. Sorry, I do. I, you know, I, I, I respect him. I think he's a good coach. I think he's got a man, the whole world on his shoulders. But. Um, I was shocked when I saw people were so angry they wanted him fired. Um, but he was he was making John Cooper mistakes, like the yeah. exact the John Cooper. This and there's there's been uh, as history gets further away from you, you tend to lose some of the details. John Cooper's last 
like John Cooper, Michigan loss was 1996. He got there after 87 and all the games where they puckered in the early nineties, like all those games they lost to Michigan, they lost generally the same way. A lot of times they had better players and they still found a way to lose them. 97 when Michigan ran the table all the way until Cooper was fired after 2000, he was not losing coop style games. He was losing to, he was either beating Michigan, which he did during, during that stretch or losing to better Michigan teams where he was, they ran out of years where we don't recruit, we don't rebuild, we reload. They started ha- having to rebuild, especially after 98. And when they didn't win the national title, the year after Nebraska and Michigan were neck and neck, um, that was the best team he was ever going to have. They found a way to, to squander that season. They still beat Michigan, but they lost to Michigan State, Saban. Um, and he was never the same. But they, they, he was aggressive in all those. They lost the last three games against 90, I'm sorry, 99 and 2000. He lost both of those to Michigan, but he was aggressive. They, they were innovative. They saved something. He was, he was doing it the right way. He was just losing to better teams. Ryan Day is losing early Coop era Michigan style. And for, for, for old heads like me, uh, that's what's, that's what freaked out a lot of people. They were like, we've, we've seen this before, man. John Cooper's from Tennessee. Ryan Day's from New Hampshire. They do not get us. They do not understand that you can't outsmart this game. Um, the the very clever saying over the last couple of years is that Ohio State built itself to beat Georgia, and Michigan constructed itself to beat Ohio State. Right. And I think that I thought that was a little bit too cute. And then not the most recent college football playoff, but the one prior, Michigan beats Ohio State like by twenty three, which. If you want to talk about sign stealing and Connor Stallions, like I think you saw the difference between Ohio State not being able to do anything and like basically a push game, which was the one that we just saw in Ann Arbor, where it was even to went down to the last drive. Um, Ohio State then goes to the Peach Bowl and runs circles around Georgia for three and a half quarters. Their defense was was not back yet. And so giving up big plays, having the worst special teams in program history. That's what kept them from beating. They were constructed to beat Georgia. They they lost on the margins. Um, once you figure out what I think Day is figuring out, not by going out and buying, you know, having this like innovative one month NIL spree where they're retaining proven commodities and not buying recruits, but guys that you know keeping them for an extra year to get them from the third round to second or fringe first round. Um, I think you're seeing like him him solving the puzzle with what toughness would culture what having uh you know adults in the room with helmets on can do for the program instead of loading up on you know recruiting stars and then playing it safe when you really shouldn't and that's that how he's that's how he's lost the last couple of seasons even with garbage defense gets to the michigan game and just starts playing a field position game taking no chances Taking Marvin Harrison off the field for two 30-yard punts, like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> it's, it's, he lost it again that way. I don't think they'll lose to Michigan the same way. That being said, I, I have no idea what Michigan's going to look like in September. I know well, who the head coach is going to be, and that's about it. Right. I just – I I don't know. I, you know, Jim Harbaugh is such a – he's such Douche. a wackadoodle. I, don't, I could say so many yeah. words there, but he's such a weird guy. Somehow it works out for him, but uh, – I don't know. Andy, you got to. Don't you think Jim though Harbaugh? you have to be a weird guy to be successful? You have to. You can't have you all do. your screws I, or have them all I think, tight. I agree like, with that. I think that uh, you know. I think if you're, you know what? I think if you can't, if you can't literally just take yourself and put your stand your own brain outside yourself, 
and look at yourself and say, what the hell is wrong with me? Why am I not more successful? What am I doing wrong? Or have somebody that does that with you, then no, you're never going to be successful. And quite frankly, most of the really successful people are outliers and kind of freak jobs when it comes to creativity. And, you know, the chicken is a, what was that? Chicken is a nervous bird, that thing. <laughs> was that it? Yeah. That, that was his line at one point. <laughs> He, he didn't he didn't eat chicken because it's a nervous bird. But then when you see like the Michigan recruiting barbecues, it's all chicken, <laughs> it's chicken, <laughs> chicken tenders, barbecue chicken, whatever. I, it, it, it's, he's a funny dude. Um, I think you need to be wired that way. It makes you more likely to be successful because college football is if you have any sort of a conscience or if you're <laughs> like this is part of the I think that why, why Ryan Day started cutting wrestling promos in South Bend. That, that was not him. <laughs> He's like this normal, empathetic, really smart football nerd, um, and he—he's—he's he's, everything's all in place, and that's probably not great to be running something like Ohio State football. Woody Hayes, perfect. You have no, all your screws loose. Military history. Um, he, he claimed he punched uh, the Clemson linebacker because the Clemson linebacker's dead great grandfather killed his uncle in the Civil War. Like <laughs> he would say that, like you know, kind of. You want someone that insane, um, and Ryan Day is not that, right? So Jim Harbaugh is, and that's why I think he's so effective. Yeah, Do we well, have anything? Oh, go ahead, Andy. I was just going to say he he hit on one note when we and when we were talking about the whole Michigan scandal that just for me it just you could statistically track when Michigan had signs and didn't. It's like they start off playing like they're three nothing games and they're beating those teams like 31 6, 30 to 10. And you think they should be killing them, but they're not wasting their time going to steal those signs. And then they play us first. And I was thinking we we're going to have a game like that. I didn't expect to beat them. And they're just going through this. And I literally was yelling, it's like they know what the hell we're set up in and what the hell we're running. And at the time, I have no idea that, yeah, they did. And it, but that Ohio State game was just the perfect thing. Ohio State what loses by three, four touchdowns for two for two years to them with better teams than they had this year, and this year go neck and neck with a team that ends up winning the national championship. And right after it all came out, hey, what's one of the first things they do is we we found a way to well like two other games piss away the Maryland game down our leg by what do you know a field goal getting kicked as time ran out. And then next week, Ohio State struggles to get away and beat them. Or I'm sorry, Michigan struggles and, and gets away to beat uh, Maryland, 31 to 24. And I'm like, where's the team that you know was that could have beaten us 72 to three if they wanted to? So yeah, I don't have any. I, I have no. They're going to lose that title. I think that's just inevitable. I think right now, just because it's all gone quiet, maybe they think they've escaped everything and outsmarted everybody, but. No, it's going to come crashing down, and just the and the evidence was just so brutally there. They have everything. They, they and then they even Ohio or I keep doing that. I'm not trying to do that to you, Ohio State, Michigan. Like ends up having a guy who just gets flat busted trying to you know erase the computer and destroy the evidence, and Michigan fires them. And my favorite, you know, Harbaugh is just kind of a little liar all along. He, you know, he'll lie to your face and not even blink. I think that's why he looks like the composite of a of a serial killer sketch artist rendering <laughs> just with that, that blank that white guy with the, the glasses and a baseball cap and a blank stare on his face, you know, that's just, I'm buried. looking at two of us in the mirror right now. Well, yeah. <laughs> All John needs is the hat and a haircut. 
<laughs> so, right. our, hey, our eyes move around a little. But, yeah, it's just and to, for him to sit there and go, yeah, I didn't know what was going on. I don't know who this guy is. It's like he's literally on your sideline feeding your coordinators, running back and forth. And it was like somebody who used to play like Division II football told me. They said if some player starts coming up and chattering with a coordinator, you know, it's some third string guy, they're going to scream at him, you know, get the fuck out of here. And yeah. but this, yeah, it, but yeah, I, I'm glad you, it's, inc- it it's an incredible amount of evidence because, you know, oh. it's funny. These games all have like 25 high definition cameras capturing right. everything. <laughs> yeah, they and, have him, they literally have him in the stadiums, not just that he ran the tickets through and all, and he bought tickets for all these other people to go sit where they could stare right at the sidelines, but they found you on the security cameras. You can't even deny that you were there, just happened to be going to these other games and flashing away and taking notes. The yeah. amount of uh, intel. So Ohio State had, I mean, we're going to talk about this. They, they have three play calling packages that they rotate through. And at the end of 2022, I don't know about 2021, but at the end of 2022, Michigan had all three of those play calling packages intact prior to the, the Ohio State game. And you started to see, and I'm, I was not one of those people like, oh, it's like they know what they're going to call. I look at some of our forums and people were saying it in real, like they knew the play. Like, what are we tipping our signals? What's going on there? Um, what Michigan would do is they spent the whole first half collecting data. Yep. Like, what are they running? Did they? Wh- which packet? Because it's dummy signals and whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then the second half, like, you, you got to, <clears throat> you had CJ Stroud two years in a row running an offense that scored no touchdowns in the second half. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and there are, there are camera angles where he's at the line changing the play. And if you're looking at the Michigan sideline, the players are telling you what he's changing it to. They're they're standing by stallions, like listening to him. And then and, and then and that was the other point why was that the hey, the players you can't punish the Michigan players, they don't know what's going on. I'm like, well, I thought Michigan was a you know pretty good school and for the most part has some pretty smart kids on this sideline. And we're supposed to believe that they're dumb or I guess special enough to not to just be going, Oh my god, my coordinator's a witch, he's amazing. <laughs> like so, I'm glad you said that because it's like there's no way the players don't know that's going on. Wow, they're, I, um, they're running it right I, I'm now. This is something unpopular. Um, <laughs> I think it. I think it rules. <laughs> that, that's that's an incredible. Like I hate that it, it was Michigan that, that finally <laughs> right. was like right. Twenty years of eating shit. Like you know what? Enough's enough. We're going to beat Ohio State or die trying. And the recipe for doing that uh, unlocked a complete change in their culture and attitude. It's. You know, I've 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 seen what Ohio State had to do to dig out and beat Michigan after only knowing how to lose to them. It's like the 1994 season that felt like that's still like I've seen two national titles since then, and right. multi double digit wins over Michigan since then. But that 94 year, it felt impossible beating them. And so in 2020, the COVID year, Ohio State was favored by 30 over Michigan, and then <clears throat> Michigan got COVID and canceled the game, but they practiced the next day, which one, something has to be true. They either all had COVID and broke COVID protocol to practice the day after the game was canceled, or they didn't have COVID and lied about it. So they wouldn't have to play as a 30 point underdog that sort of, that created a bit of a buffer between just losing to Ohio state every year. And in 2021, they, they were legitimately good. I think right. people have to you have to delineate. They didn't only win because they were cheating. I thought that's what that was when it started. Was twenty one? Yeah. They, they, well, I, I I don't know. I I don't have like the Zapruder film of when Michigan began. You know, its current iteration. <laughs> but 
Ohio State's defense was was garbage in 2020, which is a funny thing to say because they played in the CFP title game. It's a terrible <laughs> defense. They played nine games, guys. It's not yeah. like the, the biggest game they played was Indiana when they had Michael Penix and they, they <laughs> right. gave up 35 points. I remember that. Um, the uh, they they had they had a bad defense for a few years. I'm not going to bore your listeners with what happened there, but it's a, a series of unfortunate events that begins with Jeff Halfley spending one year in Columbus taking the Boston College job, almost screwing Ohio State twice. <laughs> By leaving, and then they lose our offensive coordinator. But you know, five years later, but but then Chip Kelly comes to the rescue, and then Ryan Day is a first-time chief executive made a couple of bad hires. <clears throat> you had Matt Barnes in there. You had Kerry Combs in there. Um, your commenters are like, "Can we stop crying for Ohio State?" We're not crying for Ohio State. We're talking about <laughs> football in February, guys. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we we were almost thirty minutes in, and we have not taking any comments and I, I'm going to go with this one. MWI says, yeah, that Tom Osborne was a freaking weirdo. You know what? He, I mean, he, he was, he was a freaking weirdo because he, we're so used to Tom Osborne that we don't see outside of him. What coach do you know on this planet or honestly, what human being that runs a large organization always stays calm, never swears, I mean, you could you could maybe never swears is a big one, but always always calm, always always. Matt Rule. I, <laughs> you, I mean, he says nasty he, words in the videos they put out, which is fine with me. But nobody was as weird as Tom Osborne in the fact that he was so plain and so mild and so calm. I mean, that guy—that's the weirdest coach ever. Well, Name I totally another one. I uh I got a Tom Osborne story because I always wondered when he gets in the locker room, is it really is he really just calm and gosh you know darn it and all that fellas and and Rod Smith uh, I had some classes with who was a receiver in in the mid late eighties for Nebraska led led the country in punt return uh, average one year and we'd hang out well there's one year they they go out to Ames to play Iowa State. And they're only up 14-7 at half, and it's not a good-looking, well-fought 14-7. They were just out of out of tune, out of sorts, awful. And they come back, and they just destroy them in the second half, win like 35-7 or 35-14. Well, I'm talking to Rod like in class that uh, that next week, and I was like, so what was that uh, locker room like? And he goes, oh, man, he we just never seen him that mad. It was gosh darn at this and dad gum at that and see what i mean it said he even raises his voice a little and his face turned really red and, and they said like with the whole team they said it was just going like you know trying to do that thing don't notice me don't notice me so they said it was the most terrified of him they'd ever been and, and i'm like so let me get this straight gosh darn it and dad gum it and he's like yeah it was it was kind of scary <laughs> that's just how see what I, that, that is a weird guy that's yeah that's not normal <laughs> that's an outlier yeah, you, no, say, you, okay. you know, Jim Jim Tressel was like that. I think he said fuck once in <laughs> ten years. Yeah, we Fred, Sack, Fred Sacco comes. Oh. <laughs> Fred Sacco comes in with Will Ohio State wear one hundred different uniform combos. Now it's a reference to Oregon. Or do, or do you guys think you'll <laughs> spice it up a little? Or Oregon didn't do that for Chip Kelly. Oregon did that for Phil Knight. <laughs> right, but it's it could be a thing. You guys seem to have all the money on the planet. They do, uh, but Justin, just you know, Nebraska. You know this with with when when Bill Callahan started tinkering with uniforms. It's a, that's sort of a similar thing there. Even the once yeah. a year, you've got you've got the old folks being like, "All right, the teens like the 
the one alternate uniform a year. We're good with it. Um, and that's pretty much that. That's the agreement. You can do it once a year. I don't. Mind Justin Roggy says. Uh, Justin Roggy says, uh, hit the like button. Which, if you're on YouTube, please do that. It helps us with the algorithm. Uh, Linda Wilkins says, John, I see you have the robe of life on again tonight. You know what? If I don't wear the robe, I get complaints. So I'm figuring it's like a uniform now. You can still go out and get a coronation T-shirt, though. Uh, let's see what else. You know what? We're going to go back into Ohio State. You guys hired a new athletic director replacing Gene Smith. And like an idiot, I wrote down fuckers everything about him, but I didn't write his name down. Ted Carter. <laughs> Maverick. You hired an athletic director from Texas A&M. Does that worry you? No. Oh, athletic director. I was pissed about the president. Sorry. The president. Yeah. No, he's, you took, he's you took awesome. our top gun my guy. He, he is great. But anyway, he's awesome. AD. The, uh, the guy from AM previously from, from Ole Miss, I, I thought it was, I remember when we were getting Intel, like this is probably going to be the guy and sort of hashing through stories that 11 Warriors was going to run when his hiring was official and seeing some of the buzz and people going, you know, talking about it, Texas A&M fans being like, Hey, thank you for, for taking him. I, I can't think of any fan base that I would go to as a, <laughs> for, for like consult less than Texas A&M. <laughs> like, I, I feel like that's, they're Ohio State without mood stabilizers and with petroleum. That that's uh, that's a, that's a that's a very deep and weird cult. And I I'm telling you, it someone is. from Columbus, yeah. Ohio, <laughs> I'm saying it with a straight face. Uh, I I have weird. Like, if you're gonna have a strong opinion about uh, an athletic director, like I think of someone like Dave Brandon when he was at Michigan, where he ran Domino's Pizza into the ground, takes the Michigan job, starts bloating it all to hell with weird vanity projects and and like filling out the administrative level of the athletic department with people who I don't even think had job descriptions. Hiring Brady Hoke, who was making $600,000 at San Diego State for four times that much. Like They don't teach you that on the first day of business school, but it's like maybe <laughs> the second day of business school. You shouldn't, you shouldn't pay a four times multiple on, on an asset that no one's trying to get, take from you. Yeah, uh, we did that. Doing everything wrong. Um, that's that's a strong opinion on an athletic director who then leaves and leaves the business. I can't think of like, like people get mad about Gene Smith, who's been Ohio State's athletic director since the mid two thousands after uh, he took over for Andy Geiger. And people talk about Andy Geiger, and there's like negative people just get negative about administrators, and I get it because they make a ton of money and they sit behind a desk and they get to call shots and talk about sports all the time. There's some envy and also they're nerds and they're administrators. I get it, but like, I can't get, I would only get wound up about it if someone were as destructive and incompetent as Dave Brandon. And then who was also had this veneer of, you know, if you don't like me, Michigan fans, find another team to root for. Yeah, Handled we- the PR very poorly. <laughs> That's where I would get wound around the axle. I've never, this our new athletic director, Ohio State's previous several athletic directors. I think the last one I was peeved at was Jim Jones, who retired curiously at the age of 47. And now, you know, after the fact, it was like a, a very significant and tragic uh, abuse scandal that involved um, a, a now deceased doctor and mostly wrestling right. uh, wrestlers at Ohio State. He abruptly retired at, in, in his late 40s 
I think in part because of, of what was happening there. And I thought that was weird. I thought that was curious at the time, and I hate him now. It took ex post facto to see that. But other than Dave Brandon and guys who were, you know, Bill Curley at Penn State, people who were like had the chance to do the right thing and were cowards. I can't get upset about that. So no, I have no so you, strong opinion in either direction on our new athletic director. No. Okay. I just thought it was that they'd looked at A and M. I think that once you've been touched by A and M, you just you carry that with you wherever you go. You know what I mean? I worked at A and M. I I actually in 1980 oh, I put did? in their sounds. Well, I I not for A and M, but I literally put their fire alarm system and their sound system in Kyle Field in like 1980 when they did a stadium expansion, I was there for two summers working on that. Uh, and I was around a lot of them and it was just like, what the hell? I, you know, I didn't realize it. I was too young to be, I was too ignorant of what was going on in Texas with football to understand them. But then later I was looking back and you kind of go, my God, these people are unique. <laughs> They're just unique. That's what they are. They're unique. Uh, and you know special, what? Thank right? God that they exist so that people that are like them can go to Texas A&M and be with people of their own kind. And <laughs> you took you one of them, you took one of them out of there and made him in charge of stuff. One of, one of the funniest stories I ever heard was when Mike Leach was still at Texas Tech and they're getting ready to play A&M. And Mike just uh, expounded on what he thought of starting your own little army and shaving heads and putting uniforms on it. And he's like, these guys aren't even a real army. He goes, right. make, he said, I'm going to make a pirate army of my own here at Texas Tech. And, you know, when you're a freshman, we'll, we'll give you an eye patch and we'll give you the big hat when you're a sophomore and a parrot when you're a junior and a peg leg <laughs> when you're a senior. And and it just the and the A and M crowd just lost their goddamn minds and and then then Texas Tech going goes in there and beats them uh, that campus the next week and not to mention the alumni halls just still you know must have been killing killing cats and dogs on the side it it was one of the funniest I, it's one of the best troll jobs right you know right up there with uh with uh, Steve Spurrier calling uh, you know Florida State free shoes university and just making bobby bowden flustered all the time i i loved every minute of it i i miss i miss coach leach yeah the, um, <laughs> never boring i think uh they found a guy who's got experience with weird cults Ole miss and and um you know is accustomed to having money at his disposal I don't think he I mean, he didn't like retain he retained Jimbo after he went nine and one. It's like hey, he retained Jimbo Fisher. He went nine and one. He was doing well. Right. The trajectory, like that's go back, not knowing nothing about what, what's happened since then. Guy won a, a national title at Florida State. He was nine right. and one at Texas AM. Like, I get it. Um I think Ohio State's less complicated than his previous job, and you know, they actually win stuff. <laughs> right. Okay. From that, actually win stuff. You've got Oregon and three other teams that I, you know, UCLA just hired a coach that I don't know why I did. Sean Foster. Like he has he's a, awesome. He is he. Yeah. You think he so? Played there. Yeah, he's been a coach okay. for a few years. Oh, well, that Fun whole hire. played there like thing it. doesn't always work out. I've heard. It's a tough place to win, man. You need like Dick Vermeil. <laughs> Um, it, it's, it's hard speaking of guys that didn't have it all there. It's like a combination of Harbaugh and, um, you know, Norman Rockwell. <laughs> Those are hard to come by. I think okay. alumnus, I have a hard time challenging an alumnus hire where he, you know, he's going to 
he's going to give a damn, right? Well, that's true. Okay. <laughs> Ohio State, Michigan looks, I don't know, Michigan looks like they're they're not going to retain their, I don't think they're going to just keep moving along like they were. Never count them out, man. I, I, I mean, they're not going to be bad. But you've got Oregon coming in. I think that they're going to move right up into the top. What I constantly talk about is being in the top four of the Big Ten. You have a really good chance of being in the college football playoff because this is more like the NFL than we've ever seen. And I, I'm going to put Ohio State and Oregon in the top two. It's in, that's, you know, right away. And then, you know, USC, I don't really, you know, Lincoln Riley, not really a fan of his. UCLA, I don't think they're going to be doing that. Washington lost Kalen DeBoer, and I think he was a really good coach. So, I mean, what do you see happening with, you know, the pecking order here? I I, I think, want to put, uh, put it this way. Before you start, I want to put Nebraska in that top four, but you can't, there's no, you can't do that. As much as we love the offseason, we win the offseason, until we actually win anything, you can't be, you know, anything but a, I don't know, really drunk or complete homer to just say we're going to just rise up there immediately. So, okay, go ahead. I'll, I'll be the first non-Nebraska fan on your show to congratulate you on bowl eligibility <laughs> and I think eight wins probably this year. Um, I think the world of, of rule as a college coach, I think you're going to be really happy this year. Um, I think the top tier is Oregon – Penn State, Ohio State, in any particular order. I think Penn State's going to be really good this year. Um, I think a, a very highly of Drew Aller. He would have been at Ohio State if not for, like, Quinn Ewers <laughs> doing a one-year junket in, in Columbus. Um, they, It's going to be interesting also because there's no, like, who cares about divisions anymore? It's about getting in, being the top 12, give or take, a G5, Team sliding in there. I can't. The last, Ohio State just had its worst year in a decade. And they finished tenth <laughs> after the after the bowl game. Um, so now that we are a, a mini NFL that we're all rooting for. Okay, who's right. got the, the objectives have changed? So who cares about who's going to win the Big Ten? You just get get to that second season. Um, who's the good boy? I hear a dog. Oh, She's it, you know what? Me. You have one too. <laughs> yeah, it's somebody's a uh, good boy. <laughs> Esther has gotten into the habit of coming right into the shows and interrupting them by having to go to the bathroom. Apparently, nobody else in my house is paying attention anymore. So she's. she's <laughs> oh yeah, that's your dog. Mine's yeah, she's, she's snoring, getting. Yeah. Uh, I I had things in my head that talk. Andy, take over for God's sake. All right, yeah, you scratched the dog. I hate, and I think you had a, a money message up there too. Um, oh, I did. Yeah, we did get a super chat, so we need yeah, to read super that. Super chat. That's what it is. Drake B Westfield, thank you for the five dollars. It is really something to compare how quickly college coaches, even with big programs, are hired compared to NFL teams. Okay. I don't know about that. Uh, I was going to say, what did weren't there eight eight new NFL coaches this year? Um, I feel I feel like the NFL pulls the, still pulls the trigger pretty quick. You just you can name the guys who are with one team forever, but I, I guess I see what he's saying. Um, it's different. It's a different kind of vanity. Yeah, you've got administrators, trustees, faculty staff, existing coaches, and players to deal with in well, college. In the yeah, NFL, but, you've got like trust fund money. <laughs> decrepit, horrible old people, general manager, and that's it. <laughs> right. 
and and there's so many coaches like I feel like getting out of college just because they don't have that complete control over their players anymore. It's like, hey, they get to go out and actually make some money on their name, and now they can transfer like any other student that's on a scholarship, but the school's not paying. And but I love all this. I realize it's going to be the the wild west for a while, but every that got pissed like coaches or you know re- really old white guys and whatever i always said i'm fine with not paying the players but then i want the coaches to be capped at like 75 grand a year and have to teach a class uh no tv games five dollars to get into the stadium then we're then we're all on the same level it's just i never understood i can't, I can't subscribe than, to that I, I mean i just never understood other than pure jealousy like i was never that good or it's bullshit a kid gets paid that much when I have a shitty job, which I think is most of it. But I just never understood, other than that, what's the problem? You know, that I, honestly, they're still underpaid, but I, I just brought that up because that's a reason that, you know, some coaches won't say it, but you see a lot of these older guys just, ah, you know, enough of this. I, I want to be able to tell them, you know, if they can or cannot transfer and tell them which teams they can't play for and stuff like that, which, you know, looking back on it, just, absolutely ridiculous anyway yeah i it's hard you can't put that you can't unbake that cake and i don't think we want to um and if you look back you'll see so i i was in a documentary that i think is being shopped to netflix or somewhere talking about what would have happened if the current climate had happened 10 years ago it's centered around terrell Pryor. okay um yeah how much money did that guy lose by being born too soon Right. And you can keep going back and, and saying that it's the wild west right now. It's also like an indictment of how vacant NCAA leadership is in, yeah. in terms of putting the bones together for a tenable structure where you can get insurance for players to guard their future value as, as a vocational uh, devotee to, to football. We don't have that right now. So what I think we'll see now is a bolus of programs like Ohio State, funded programs. I, th- I think Nebraska would be among them. Michigan's obviously among them. A couple of SEC schools. There are some you know, non-poverty programs that can, right now, before someone wakes up and decides to show some leadership, can put um, together what Ohio State put together over the last 35 days. Which me, is what? Oh, retain ahead. their borderline first-round draft picks and, and give them something that is de-risked for a final year with NIL opportunities to also uh, enhance their personal brands before they take the next step. Uh, But also give them something to believe in. That's not just a bag of money. We we had a bag of money era and bovine hormones and all that for, (laughs) I was, I was alive for it. We've now gone to the point where we're trying to optimize bodies for the maximum number of um, compensatory plays that they can expend in the NFL. And they 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 are oriented towards what am I going to be doing at age thirty five? How's my money going to be ma- managed before I hit thirty five? And what can I do to take care of myself from the neck up and from the neck below in different ways? And the NCAA is just sitting there going like oh, like like Looney Tunes. It's happening too fast for them. In part, and I'm going to I'm going right. to disparage old people, even though you know the three of us are on here, older <laughs> people. It's it's happening yeah. too fast for them. Well, it's, it's happening it was, to them too, too fast, and they want to do it their own way right. instead of bringing in some nimble McKinsey corporate slugs to figure it out for them more quickly. Right. Now, one thing, the Athletic did a survey, I want to say about mid-fall, 
of, rec of recruits, like an anon anonymous survey of just, you know, like junior and seniors in high school that were being highly recruited. And, and, and of the top five things, NIL was down the list on the average. It was like, you know, fourth or fifth. And I yeah. think the reason for that is mostly everybody's going to be throwing about the same money at the top guys for high school because they're not they're not paying the high school guys. It seems like they're saving most of that money for the proven guys in the portal. But for the high school kids, it was just like, you know, well, the money's there no matter where we go. So it really is just about finding the place we feel the most comfortable or like that offense the best. It was funny how the how the thing the reasons you should be choosing a school or the reasons a lot of them are actually using to choose a school. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you real quick, since we got somebody else here, what do you think of? I don't know whatever they count called it that council that uh, you know get together whatever between the SEC and the Big Ten. Because I'm wondering, okay, is this just kind of like the first wave of what's going to be coming, going to become, all right, us two are breaking away, who's coming with us? And we're going to start our own, like, basically school-sponsored pro league. I think, uh, look at European soccer. Yeah. This is the beginning of a Premier League. And I, it would be simplistic to be like, yeah, it'll be the Big Ten and the, and the SEC. I mean, is it going to be the whole Big Ten and the whole SEC? Like, very... Right. Northwestern, are you coming with? Like, it's, I think that was a very, they could have done that very quietly, the way that, right. that the Big Ten negotiated with the two California schools, Oregon and Washington. Mm -hmm. They didn't do it quietly. They almost cut a press release like, we are talking to each other. Yeah. Wake yeah. up and start doing something. <laughs> we are not all the same. Um, so I think it was, it was very purposeful. And both of those commissioners know what they're doing. I couldn't say that about the Big Ten commissioner a couple of years ago. He, he, he belongs with the <laughs> right. Vikings or the Bears, yes, not he with does. university yeah. presidents, yeah. right? Um, a classic operations guy who does not yeah. belong in the executive. Yeah, right. Um, but but the two guys that the SEC and the Big Ten have running those those are executive guys. They and they lean on us guys. That's the way it should that's the way it should be oriented. Um, okay. So yeah, I think that they, they, we've got five years to figure this out before this becomes unrecognizable. Right. And not only is Petiti an executive guy, he's an executive guy with a background in television. And I think that was very, very intentional. Because sure. right now, it's almost like the networks, now that they're they're into it for so much money, they're pulling the strings. That distribution is everything with this. Yeah. Right. And that's that's what they've figured out. That's what Jim Delaney figured out before everyone else. Right. So you've got you've got the NCAA basically is a well like you said it's devoid of leadership they're not doing anything they have lawsuits against them for billions of dollars of liabilities that we all know that they're going to lose and it's a matter of time. The Na National Labor Relations Board has ruled the Dartmouth's basketball team is employees. There's an enrollment cliff coming in college that is going to blast colleges probably a mass wave of bankruptcy, but it's going to be a bloodbath for colleges because they just can't maintain all of them that they built. Most of the small, most of the smaller programs other than maybe 10 run a deficit in their athletic departments, despite making millions of millions of dollars. Where the hell is all this going? You have, you have business experience. Where do you think it's going? And I guess uh, when I ask that, I get an idea of where it's going for, I don't see Nebraska being left out because we're a brand. We have money. We have will. And that third thing is probably the most important thing out of all of it. 
And but I guess I also look at it and I think division two and division three, they're just gonna be club teams all over the place. And how is that gonna survive in providing opportunities? There is a certain level of, you know, public sector, you know, commie. <laughs> we need to it can't all just be freaking money in sports. It has to be some of it is, you know, I got the chance to play basketball in high school or in college, even though I wasn't very good at division three school, you know, there's still a lot of opportunity in that. And there's still a lot of benefit in that. When you go look at resumes and things like that, people you're going to hire in the future, those are at the top of the list, aren't they? Division three basketball players. Well, you know what I mean? If you go through, I've gone through shit tons of resumes <laughs> in my life and you look for people who have been in leadership positions. I always look for military service, athleticism, if they played on teams, if they, you know, if they did things. So that was a lot of stuff. Where do you think all this is going? That's what I want. I think the you. purest form of collegiate athletics a decade from now will be what you did. Division three, where you you're proving that you can manage a full course load, but also be an athlete who participates in a team structure. Uh, what you'll see as we ascend to a premier league or a Liga, uh, you know, with, with like we have in European soccer, um, you'll start to see different tiers emerge. And right now over the last 50 years, we've had this artificial, we have 132 team tier right now that you can't name all 132. There's 65 power five teams. It means only half of the of FBS is that you can, you can really name. Um, so that's starting to settle out. It could have been accelerated and structured with some leadership, but instead of we're going to go through growing pains. And when you have something like that in the absence of leadership yeah. or structure, you have grift. And so <laughs> part right. of what you were saying earlier is where does, where does the money go? These, these state schools are nonprofits. It goes into, real estate and infrastructure projects. It goes into administrative administrator yeah. salaries. I remember when Wisconsin's chancellor was admonishing Alabama for, I think a, a contract for Nick Saban. That seems quaint. Now it was like six, it's getting like six and a half million dollars a year. And she's like, that's absurd. Wisconsin, will never, Wisconsin notoriously underpaying for sports. We'll never do that. And I remember it's university of Wisconsin, Madison's it's public. It's a public institution. I looked her up. She made like $800,000 a year. Yeah. <laughs> As yeah. a what do chancellors do? do are, are they chancelling all day? Like, what, what is that job? <laughs> um, and so where does the money go? I think the people who are in charge of the money decide where the money goes. It generally right. ends up, you know, they put their names on buildings and stuff. You know, they use it to, buy, to get more donors. So, you know, Nebraska, I think, is in good shape um, because you yeah. have money and will. Will is important. And you have brand. As long as you can assign a market value and a kager to something. <laughs> compound annual growth rate people are going to throw money at it because money makes more money ohio state has a brand most of the big 10 has very strong branding incredibly strong branding if you walked into goldman sachs tomorrow which isn't far away from me you threw a pen down the hallway you'll hit like three penn state grads it's like <laughs> that's their minor league like those, those people make a lot of money they donate back there are a lot of places right. that are they are perm they're as close to permanent as you can get in Americana. So they will forge an alliance and they will, that's what the big 10 and the sec signaled when they got together. They're like, we are going to do this. Oh, you think so? Thing. Yeah. I get, you know, I guess I just kind of, there's part of me that, okay, let's see. Linda Wilkins says, whoops, that's it. John deal with it. It's only and always about money. And you know, honest to God, that that's the honest truth. 
That's what this, that's what college football is. But there's still a part of me that wants to be romantic about give it the rah, rah. You know what I mean? I, well, you can't say that, Nebraska. It's, it's funny you say that. Cause I'm actually writing about that this week. I, I, it's in my head. I haven't written it yet, but I'll publish on Wednesday and I'm doing it. I'm using Michigan as the, as the muse. So Michigan's the national reigning national champion. You get to choose if it's the greatest story, the most romantic story, uh, the bad guys winning, that's, totally that's illegitimate. You get to decide what that what happened this past season. And if you want Nebraska football and college football or anything about college sports to stay like sepia tinted from your youth, or yeah. you can strip out with cognitive dissonance the things that you don't like about it, the world can be. You are. You can play God in your own perspective. Um, unfortunately, I have to write about this every week, but I. <laughs> so I, I, I have to acknowledge some of that stuff, that the, the realities yeah. that I don't enjoy. But most people, you get to decide. So that is, it, that it can be true. whatever you That's choose very... it to be. Well, John, <sighs> wow, John, in the name yeah. of rah rah, I would not be. Uh, I would be doing you personally and all of us at Corn Nation a disservice if we didn't point out that this is the day after, and I know you did your quick reaction, the day after that our wonderful Nebraska Cornhusker women's basketball team, like Ohio State, took out Iowa and Caitlin Clark. And like Ohio State, we got a meltdown performance from their coach afterwards because <laughs> she, she takes losing worse than a six-year-old takes having his toys taken away. And I, I didn't want to be disappointed. Did you happen to hear about that one, Ramsey? I watched the game. Did you? But did, did you, you see what she did after the game? I didn't watch the press conference. I watched okay. uh, the Nebraska-Iowa game, and I – I haven't. If I if I wanted to see a basketball team melt down in the fourth quarter like Iowa did, I would just watch an Ohio State men's basketball game. <laughs> yes, but no. What happened was, you know, she she really had to get out of there fast. But so Iowa's staying in the locker room forever after the game. So Nebraska comes out. You know what what's going on? And they said, "You guys go ahead and do your press conference." And in the middle of the first question, you hear her in the background shrieking in the hall. Yeah, this is not this is not Big Ten protocol. This is I did bullshit. This. I didn't see it. I read it. Oh, yeah. we have a plane to catch. And they played music during our free throws. <laughs> and it was, I was just like, thank you. Now, now it's complete. But yes, that, that, that was the one. And they were, you had people who'd driven from Iowa City who were lined up at uh, about five, I'm sorry, six, seven in the morning for tickets. So that this was going to be the coronation. And God, I just love fucking it up for them. And you know, you don't get the record. You don't get a win. I guess we can get lucky like you and and have Caitlin go barreling into somebody, then do a little fake pirouette and co collapse like she did in Columbus. But we'll take we'll take what we can get. And just wanted to point out how much how much joy that brought me in an otherwise kind of boring boring you know in between football season uh, shenanigans going on. But anyway. Thank you, John, for allowing me that slightly more. Well, we're, you know what? We're going to go further because I'm not done with Ramsey. Uh, we're going to go over an hour. Todd, Todd isn't here, and I don't. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not feeling overwhelmed. There you go. That's what it is. Uh, what the hell is you mentioned basketball? How are people taking this basketball season? In Columbus, I mean, this is not um, normal. This is not normal. Normally, now, right now, people are looking at the Big Ten and they go, "It's a bad conference oh. this year." Why? Because oh, Northwestern, yeah. Northwestern's good. Nebraska's up there. Minnesota is like 
500. Nobody expected that. And Ohio State and Michigan are at the bottom of this conference. What the hell, man? It's it's just lousy. It's a lousy product. Just about even the best teams in the Big Ten, like we can we can usually have like this weird optimism going into the NCAA tournament. I'm I'm not a conference pride guy. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't give a shit if Nebraska wins or loses in the tournament or any other team. Um, but like it's a terrible it's a terrible basketball conference right now. And this I think you think so is the accumulation of recruiting, poor March performance, which sort of forebodes poor recruiting. Because how do you recruit against the Big Ten schools? Oh, you want to play like one or zero games in March and April? Yeah, go play in the Big Ten. <laughs> they haven't – it is an antiquated product. In Columbus, Chris Holtman won't be around another year. Yeah. Which is, you know, we were talking about what kind of wiring you need to be an effective football coach at a big program. He is like the world's nicest guy, ultimate dad, like just a really elegant and sweet man and a very mediocre basketball coach. Yeah, um, he needs to not be that way. Yeah, and you know, Nebraska's had a couple guys like that too. Um, just yeah. I don't think currently trending in the right direction. Um, right now, women's basketball in Columbus is, has been exceptional with, with McGriff. It, they, when they beat Iowa, that was like two. That was a top ten matchup. So Nebraska's was like a true upset. That was more like a heavyweight. Like you know, they were throwing haymakers that the whole game uh, when they played in, in in Columbus. Women's sports and the big. So we can talk about how the Big Ten is a super conference now with football. It's mediocre with men's basketball. Nebraska women's like volleyball is incredible. Ohio State men's volleyball is incredible. Like there are some really interesting non-revenue sports which I would not have. Paid attention to if I were not, you know, owning a Ohio State media company or subscribing to Big Ten Network. There is a lot of really, if you like sports and competition, there's plenty to be found. It's just not in the traditional ways um, yeah. that we were accustomed to in winter. Men's basketball is garbage right now. Watch, well, volleyball's over now, but women's basketball is exceptional. Well, and hey, don't forget that our softball team got probably the biggest, you know, arguably the biggest transfer in any sport. And through to Nebraska, she goes out and gets hurt right away, like in the third inning of her first game. <laughs> it looks like she's going to be okay, but you know, it saw you know, obviously that generated a lot more interest in softball, and you know that's I've been writing about that the past couple of years, and we're ramping that up. But that I mean, I was just like, I can't believe I'm seeing this. I'm I'm just wondering if we've got to get Dylan Rayola a bodyguard and just make sure a car doesn't run him over or something. <laughs> before a kickoff here in September, because I'm after that happened, I'm starting to fear for that poor young man's well-being. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, yeah I, I I know a little bit too much about him because I thought he was going to be at Ohio State for right. like eight months or however long it was. <laughs> no, I I remember when he I remember when he uh, committed that yep. we were, he so, was, the thing was so, once once we got a good coach, we were always going to be in a good position with him, and I. I was starting, I was really starting to believe up until about, uh, or I was still believing up till about November, he was going to flip to us. And then I kind of gave it up. And, but when it, when I had a friend of mine call me, Hey, I think he's flipping. It didn't surprise me at all. Uh, it, it, it surprised me when he committed to Ohio state. I understood frost had just screwed that, that pooch, but Georgia, that one surprised me. I just, I thought we had him, and I know how silly that sounds, on you know, on the face of it. But just the way he was communicating with all the other recruits in the class, I was like, I, I really think this is going to happen. When it didn't, I'm like, huh? Well, he's done it before. Let's see if he does it again, and and it worked yeah. out. 
Georgia was funny, right? Well, Georgia that? quarterbacks are like Ohio State quarterbacks before Ryan Day. Like, mm-hmm. why would you go play there? Yeah. Your quarterback, play something else, not not quarterback. So that that was an interesting choice. But yeah, good for Nebraska. So Ohio, Ohio State women's basketball is number one in the conference. Two, two. What, oh, in in conference, well, I guess in conference, they're in conference, yeah, number yeah. two national in the conference. They're they're one game ahead of Iowa, thanks to us. And Nebraska, I believe, plays them next. Plays yes. Ohio State next, so yep. that should be interesting. Uh, one more question, and then I'll let you go, and then we're going to talk a little bit about, about Nebraska because you know it's a Nebraska show. And uh, what about <laughs> what about base, what about baseball? I, I yeah I've, there you I'm go do you follow do you do you follow it at all i mean i'm wearing a guardian's hat do i follow college baseball no i'm from ohio yeah okay <laughs> you got <laughs> options <laughs> columbus is a triple a well ohio here. state baseball has not been you know where it was i, I just a few yeah years it's on hard times i've been to bill davis stadium i've you know i've i've Seen better times, but you know, Ohio State is one of I can't remember. It's like six schools that has a football, basketball, uh, baseball, and what's the for the four national title? They like very few schools have it. I think Ohio State won the national title in baseball a hundred years ago, something. like in 1956, but, I think something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, yeah. All right. Any closing remarks? Um, you know, I, I it's a Nebraska show. Um, appreciate the volleyball program. I. I I'm not like being condescending when I say that I like college football better when Nebraska is interesting and Nebraska football has been interesting in some, some pretty pedantic ways <laughs> recently. I think you got a guy that can, if you can keep him around, we'll, we'll give you a solid decade that you'll be proud of and think like, all right, we're finally out of the post Osborne malaise that we kind of slog through. Um, I, uh, I'm a, I'm a Youngstown homer, and a, a, the Polini family is dear to my heart. I'm not going to poison the conversation by, by telling you what you did wrong there. Right. Um, but I, you survived. You survived it, right? And the, the frosting is inexplicable. I'll never figure out how that went so wrong. Um, but getting, getting Matt Rule out of it, I think, was, is, is going to prove to be something that was worth it. I, I guess I would explain it in one way in which you look at an employee that has failed and you look at them and you could go through all this stuff or you could sum it up in one way and that would be character flaw. And then you just end the conversation about that employee and you'd move on. And uh, you should have had there some you sort go. Of guidance, some sort of support system. <laughs> you can't allow someone to fail and be, you know, have everyone pointing at them. They should have taken better care yeah. of them. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's I think that's I think tough. there are a lot of people that tried that and just either he ended up with completely the wrong well he okay I think <laughs> a lot of people tried that and they were <laughs> unsuccessful and we'll just leave that at that it's okay. past tense now yep yeah yeah all right Ramsey thank you we should talk more often you know we have a long off season ahead of us uh there you go take care of yourself and thank you for joining us and andy we'll 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 talk about nebraska for a little bit sure, right. thanks for having take me care, ramsey. We'll talk to you. be good yep see you ramsey Bye. okay i don't know i don't remember how i met him or how i started talking to him but uh 
he he knows his stuff about he Ohio State. He very 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 well. Okay, Nebraska time. Uh, we're we're actually eight minutes over. Uh, yeah. We're going to do this just because. Uh, well, we had a lot of stuff happen. Roll the sleeves recently. up on that robe. The, what happened the, recently, you, John? Well, this happened. Okay. I'm gonna. I. You know what? I got all so I actually, animated there. I got all hot. So. Tell you what. Well, while John's undressing, Linda asks, "How did Jordy get hurt?" I was watching it happen, and uh, I was actually wondering if it was the condition of the field because that field on Friday night looked like trash, and it looked better on the, in the Saturday games, but it did turn out. Uh, I went back and found a clip where I could hear the announcers. And they were saying that pitchers had been complaining about that field because it's it's clay. It's what they haven't made softball fields here out of that for years. Because now that you slide around more, it's got the it's got the stuff that can absorb the the moisture. It's just a better field, um, and you know and you'd have to drag it a lot. And that field didn't look like it was dragged. It you could just see cleat marks and and like it almost like mud, even though it wasn't that wet. And apparently that's what happened. She, you could see her when they slowed it down and she caught that foot and it just straightened her leg out and popped the knee a little. And it just looked like classic hyperextension. The, the worst case scenario would be that, you know, it's the ACL. Cause that's also how the ACL explodes is when you, is when that knee or when that knee just comes in a straight legged jam like that. I don't think that's what happened. They said on the Sunday game against Utah Valley, she was a full participant and all the pregame stuff was going full speed, but Rhonda just wanted to hold her out of game so she could uh, get her back to Lincoln and get her get her looked at. And I I suspect she's going to be okay. I, I think a worst case might be she sits out the New Mexico tournament coming up, but I don't think it's anything too serious. All right, you you are going to start a softball program uh, on YouTube or you know yes. with this platform. In the what next week or when? Well, it depends. No yet. Yeah, uh, well, it just depends when we get some of the videos and photos we talked about, so we can get so okay. you can get give us our intro. But other, we're we're pretty much ready to go anytime. I suspect since I haven't heard back from him yet that it'll probably be we'll shoot for next week. Are you going to do this live? or Are you going to do this? I'd like to go ahead uh, and do it live. If we're going to make our mistakes, and people should be in, be able to enjoy that too. <laughs> Say they oh, say they were good. there. Say they were there, and these shitheads didn't know that they're you know their heads from their asses. And... All right, Fred Sacco says, <laughs> "What's John's alternative robe? White for away games? Fuck Iowa all over them." I will. That's a good idea. I yeah. need an alternate alternate robe for away games. Uh, let's see. James Boardman says, "Do you think college athletics is on the verge of a players' union?" Yes. I think it's already happening someplace, isn't yeah. it? Like very recently. Here's the, here's the thing that we did not discuss with Ramsey is this. You know, when you have a Division two or a Division three, like Dartmouth is ruled that they, you know, they're going through appeals. Dartmouth appealed. They, all of this stuff is in the hands of the courts and lawyers. God help us all. But if Division two and Division three uh, – they rule that they can be that they're employees. The reason, the way that you have them not be employees is you don't, you just release control of them. In other words, 
you rule somebody as an employee because you're controlling them enough. It doesn't matter if they make money for a business or not. There's certain stipulations right. where you have control over them to the point. And the way that they would get around that was turning everything into a club sport, basically, right. which is well, what I brought up before. And I also think that they can call them with everything just being basically free agency and you can tech, I, I don't know, you, you're limited, but you can leave whenever you want. Um, that's almost like their contract employees instead of, you know, almost like self-employed where you do, you know, your schedule C and instead of, you know, cause, cause they're not being paid by the schools at all, which makes it a little tough. That's why I always laugh. Like with some of the, ang I call them the angry old white men were saying they've got to get a hold of this NIL and put a, ca a cap on it. And it's like, how can they put a cap on something they have no yeah. control over? It's like, right. these, these are, you know, other people paying them in such a way that it doesn't involve the school's name at all. So the school can't control that. But I think Wayne Kiffin suggested that once. And I'm like, Wayne, I get it. I know, you know, you kind of like more, more control and all that, but yeah, the, this, this is just the courts going, why shouldn't they be able to go out and, you know, and sell t-shirts if people buy them? Or if somebody wants to get their auto, pay five bucks for their autograph at a, you know, at a Mazda lot, then that, what does that, you know, why the hell, you know, that just makes me wonder, why was that ever not allowed other than, I guess no one really took it to court. Well, here's the thing with it. When you look at the NFL, and I, I think I brought this up before, when you look at the NFL, what do they have? They have what a the, players yeah, union. Players union. Yeah. And what does that give them? It gives them collective bargaining agreements. Right. And what do we, the public, get out of those collective bargaining bargaining agreements? We get public knowledge of their salaries. We get public yeah. knowledge of their contracts. Right now, college sports is in mayhem and complete fucking nightmare because there's no control over that. If mm -hmm. they go and they become a union... I don't know how they're going to organize this, well, the, but if they become a union, then they will have collective bargaining. And then all these nil contracts will become public. Mm, right. Ah, uh, no, that, I don't think that would enter into the collective bargaining at all. That's, that's completely separate from the school. Right. The, it is, but you'd have an organization. So it so wouldn't would be the schools. Expect. It probably isn't well, going to be the schools anymore. Yeah. You're looking at, like we talked about the big 10 no, and sec creating something that, I don't know how this is all going to work, but well, I know that if you go, go ahead. No, I was just saying though, collective bargaining is just the things that they can control with each other. And what they make in NIL is just, you know, it, it's like, here's a, the school, here's B the players. Collective bargaining would never, or I mean, collective bargaining, NIL would never be part of the collective bargaining because that's something they can do on their own that the school has no say over whatsoever. If collective bargaining, or they'll say if they, if they do get a union, and are allowed to collectively bargaining, the next step is, hey, you're going to have to pay us. The schools will have to pay the players. And they're, you know, talk all you want about the scholarships being enough. This, this is a revenue-drawing sport, um, it, you know, alone to that sport. And you've got, you know, the, you've, you've got the, you, the, the stuff that the university sells with their number on it, but not their name, maybe. But you've got all the concessions, you've got all that. And then all this goes, well, if you're making all this money, then why aren't the, per, the people solely responsible for others paying for this stuff, paying to go to the games, you know, paying for a cable deal, to, or paying for a cable service so they can watch them on television? Then it becomes... Well, isn't this monumentally stupid that they don't get any kind of a salary? And I, I just feel like that's the first step, though, is getting to call them a union. Then as a union, they can go, hey, we'd like salaries. And, it, and it'll so? happen. 
yeah, it'll happen. And it'll, it'll still be woefully underpaid, you know, cause right now they lose their minds. Hey, some guy's making 1.5 million a year. And you know right. what a drop, what a drop in the bucket that is. If, like you got a, a Heisman winner, you know, made 1.5 million a year in NIL. I would, I would recommend it's out of print, but it's pretty easy to find. There's a book Rick uh, was not Rick Riley, uh, Rick Keylander. Uh, wrote he used to write for Sports Illustrated, and he wrote a book back in like '89 called "The Hundred Yard Lie," where he right. lays, where at the very end he lays out a, a like a very well defined solution, <clears throat> and it's finally now starting to come to pass. And it, you know, he what he suggested was you get the 50 teams or so, 30 to 50 teams that are serious. They then become the like they get to still use the university logos and stadiums and all that. But they get sal- a flat salary. I think at that time he said fifty thousand a year. The NFL <laughs> kicks in, and it's like, yeah, good luck the NFL kicking in on that, right? <laughs> yeah. But uh, but but yeah, here's the thing though: is you now make it a league, and then they do not go to school while they play football. But each each season they play, they get a full year of free school to cash in at any time that they like in the future, and that's just the, and a non negotiable part of it. The teams that don't join join that become true college football with you know a coach that's also teaching a class uh you know you i don't believe there's scholarships there uh or maybe there's just scholarships there but basically you're a student you're a student athlete you're limited to two hours of practice uh five days a week in season there's not spring ball or any of that and and then they actually had a plan how you can jump from one to the other if you really want etc but I encourage people to read that. And if you don't want to go through the whole book, just get it to flip to the back. And it's crazy that in 1989, he's saying that's where, that's where this should go. And that's where I, you know, if we do it, he's like, and he was really like kind of uh, negative about the whole thing. He's like, I feel like the whole thing is fucked and too far gone, but here's my suggestion. Use it or don't. And like, then like double middle finger to everybody at the, you know, on his way out the door at the end of the book. But it, it's really looking uh, pretty, pre- pretty uh, present right now. All right, Linda Wilkins asks, what is the actual yearly cost to the university of a full scholarship athlete? Well, I think it'd be in the 15 to 20 grand range. Here's the here's here's the thing. It's a made up number. Yeah. Because basically when you look at budgets and all of this stuff is about how athletic departments between universities make up their budgets. And I don't have any insight into the University of Nebraska and how they do budget figures. But when you look at the athletic department, they kind of stand alone. They have their own budget. They don't take money from the university and student fees. Uh, the academic side doesn't give them any money. So basically the academic side takes away from money from, from the, uh, you know, the athletic department for the scholarships and keep in mind, they're providing books they probably provide room and board or meals, something, you know, they provide other stuff than just here's the pay, the scholarship, which is really just a fuzzy thing that exists in the universe. Um, I, they, it's a made up number. Yeah. They're I mean, getting training tables. Athletic and- departments have to be nonprofit. So I would guess, and I'm just making this shit up by the way. I do know <laughs> that they just kind of make up numbers, but I mean, if you made $150 million at an athletic department, you don't want to show a profit. So you just, you can shove all that stuff to the athletic academic side and say, well, our scholarships cost 50 grand this year. And last year they cost 36. I doubt they do it that way. They're probably not that flexible, but you know, in the future, who the hell knows? I don't even think, because I used to get an earful from, you know, like the anti football crowd going, 
you know how much stuff they're taking away from the university? And I said, yeah, I know from the students. And I said, I know exactly how much they're taking away. Nothing. Because yeah. the, the athletic department operates 100% independently of the UNL, everything else at UNL, the academic side and all that. So, no, it's like it's, it's, not, it's not costing the students a dime. But, you know, the place where it did cost them a dime was UNO, where they, I think, spent the entire student fund keeping the football team afloat for several years there at the end when it it, it was hemorrhaging like two, three million a year. But no, at Lincoln, that they don't need any money from the academic side. They've got their own millions pouring in. Okay. We're, we're going to have to wrap up soon because we are old and tired, you know, maybe have to use the bathroom. Yeah. I'm not on Coke, that kind of thing. Uh, Never mind me (laughs) says, what are the men's chances of making the tournament? I think they're pretty good. I mean, you defend the home court. They are. I think people are being a little bit too negative toward it. But what? They're they're 53 right now. That those 20 point losses, they're like ranked overall like 53rd after 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 losing and then but beating Michigan was beating like I think. Michigan's just awful this year. No, they're yeah. they're they're going to be they're going to be unless they get a road win or two that means something, right? Or just a road win period. They're probably going to be in that you know on that edge discussion. You know, it's nice to have the win over Purdue. That win over Wisconsin's just looking like you know a barrel of dog shit right now because I, I think everybody's just been beating beating the piss out of them. Thanks, thanks Wisconsin. <laughs> you, you just yeah, know how no to prove everything. God, well, you know what they did? Like, they went I, out I, on the road I, I, and they I, got yeah. they, they got annihilated at Rutgers. And uh, I, Which, I'm going to disagree with Ramsey a little bit. I don't think the Big Ten is a terrible basketball no, I do think okay. it's good from top to bottom. And, and, and you know what? As an old man, I'm going to say this. Tom Izzo said this. <laughs> and I'm going to echo his thoughts. Basically, those younger people just don't have as mental tough, much mental toughness as its old crusty bastards do. Because uh, you know, we said just, every old parents, person for a thousand years. Yeah, they, every, young, our parents didn't push everything out of the way. Oh God! In 1723, they were going. Oh, these kids today have it so easy. You know, they they, they now we now let them. You know. We we now make them a new pair of shoes every five years instead of eight years and, uh, <laughs> that we cobble together with our bare hands and. <laughs> okay, Vince Watson says, "What night is the new live show going to be on, Andy?" Uh, I believe right now we are shooting for Tuesday. I, okay, I'm, I'm going to say pro- probably Tuesday around this same time. Okay, well there you go. Uh, but we'll put, I'll pop an article up and try to let everybody know a few times before, you know, a couple days before and all that. So MWI says <laughs> when this finally becomes NFL light, what's the point in bragging about your minor league championship? Because we'll still pretend. Yeah. Yeah. We're still, what no, the hell? No, no one's changing names and we're, and your franchise is never in danger of moving from Lincoln, Nebraska, you know, to St. Louis, Missouri or whatever. Will st- they'll still be your Huskers, but now you get you, know, to yell- I, you get to yell at them now. Though, is, hey, you make all that money and fuck up, you jerk, just like the NFL players. I, I have a whiteboard right over here, and it has a bunch of stuff that I it is there to remind me of things. Well, to not forget when I'm doing right, these. Right over there, I totally don't have a whiteboard. Awesome. <laughs> okay, on that whiteboard is three words. 
Oh, no. And the reason why anybody creates content, writes a book, things like that, there's three reasons for it. Inform, which is what we do for you guys all the time. Entertain. Oh, my God, we do that, don't we? And then the third is escape. And that's really what sports is. That's especially college sports. When you look at it, art, we escape when we look at it and we go, God, Nebraska women's basketball is down in the fourth quarter. There's no way they're going to come back and win this game. But we still believe, and then they do it. And that's the escape from all the other shit we got going on in life. That's why we'll still pretend, yeah. even if it's NFL light, that Nebraska is the best college team in the history of the world. Because, you know, it's, it's still better than, I don't know, dealing with everyday life that you got to go into. Like if I brought up politics or something. MWI hey, says, Ramsey gave us eight wins. I'm partying yeah, right. naked tonight. <laughs> oh, we've, we've heard that before. All right. James Boardman says, get off my lawn. <laughs> and Charles Hullett says, and that's the way it was. And we liked it. Uh, tiger oh. shark diver says I only go to Missouri to buy illegal fireworks. <laughs> That's the best reason for Missouri to exist. Uh, Justin Roggy says, what if you forget about the whiteboard, John? <laughs> well, it's, it's right there. It's, 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 it, you know what? It alarms everyone. You, you did with board there, don't you? <laughs> okay. All right. What what else do we have? We had a nice win over Iowa. I thought we were uh, wrapping up. We are wrapping up. This okay. is the wrap up. All right. We had a nice, nice win over Iowa. Iowa. But the softball team uh, got shelled in two games yep. without Jordy Ball. Well, one uh, she, she was getting shelled before she got out of there, but I think yeah, that's why I said something was wrong even before she got hurt. I mean, she in two and third innings, I think she gave up two two hits. Walked three people, uh, threw three wild pitches. So, something was wrong from the beginning. I think it was just that goofy field. And I know everybody pitched on it, but for whatever reason, it was affecting some different than others. It took uh, it took Caleb Kenny, who ended up pitching seven scoreless innings and getting the last two wins. But the first game she got in, she was having trouble finding the plate and getting knocked around. So maybe it was just one of those things you had to get used to, or they dried the field and chopped it up a little more. But anyway. All right. Is there anything else you want to say? Um, Andy is tired. He took too much LSD with that tie-dye shirt. <laughs> hey, this thing is awesome. If I could stand up with a little here. This is one of the shirts they made for the Lithuania uh, Olympic team. This is a, a reproduction of it. In 1992, when they did, you know, Russia had just broken up, and they were the biggest draw, like, Significantly less, but still the second biggest draw after the Dream Team because the Grateful Dead sponsored that team, like paid for everything. And they, what? Really? So yeah, yeah. Oh, I yeah. That. And, and they won, and they won the bronze medal. The U.S. beat them in the semifinals, and they had Arvidas Sabonis and Sharunas Marshallonis, who, who then, even though they were old, went and played for a few years in the NBA. And I believe so. I believe Sabonis has a son playing in the NBA now. But that was that was just kind of one of the neat stories of the Olympics. And I saw one of these things and. And fifty bucks, hell yeah! <laughs> I'll pop that. And on the on the back, it just, on the back, it just proudly proclaims like a bronze medal, nineteen eighty eight. So that's the, right. that's the reason for my tie dye tonight. It's it's nice looking shirt. Yeah, it, it's actually. I should look into this and then those. Yeah, it's actually really quality. Quality. I mean, it's a solid. It's a thick T shirt. I love it. 
Oh, look at this. The rock on Randy. That is a kick-ass shirt. Oh, uh, Fred Sacco says, uh, well, Fred Sacco says Andy's lava lamp is fading faster than our former head coach's teams in the fourth quarter. <laughs> and then he says, let Andy go. He has to pee. Okay. Good night, Andy. My man. And good night. Thanks, everybody. everybody. Thank you.